Hi, everyone. It's Paul Miller of the Free Time Free Spill Podcast. And we, we have an amazing topic today about climate change and saving the world. And I'm with a special guest today, and she'll introduce herself. Hi, I'm Twyla Dell, and I am an environmental activist and author. And here in Kansas City, I have uh, written a book called Fueling Change, How We Created Climate Change One Fuel at a Time. And it's the first of its kind to talk about how we live our lives based on the kind of fuel. And we're at the very end of the oil age, and we're going into the solar age. And how we get there is going to determine how we will live and our children will live. This is my seventh book. I started uh, publishing environmental books in 1990. I created an environmental leadership program for Kansas City for business and community leaders and teachers and students and have uh, done a lot of work with five environmental books to my name. So how is uh, climate change uh, affecting the, like how is it affecting, like how does it start? Like what causes climate change? Well, it's climate, that's such a good question because it's so basic. Climate change is caused by increased carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And as the uh, carbon dioxide, which is a very fine particle, we don't see it, but it goes up into the sky. Our sky has become our toilet, so to speak, as we throw everything up in there and it begins to reflect the heat of the sun coming down and that creates a shield, a heat shield that makes the planet hotter. And so we need to stop creating the kind of exhaust that gasoline creates because when you burn a gallon of gasoline, you create 20 pounds of carbon dioxide. So if you fill up your tank 15 gallons on Monday and you burn that all week, 15 gallons times 20 pounds each, that's 300 pounds, of carbon dioxide that you've created by the end of the week. Who wants to do that? And that's been the well-kept secret. When you go to buy a new car and you look at that sticker on the side of the car, the left rear window, it tells you all about the mileage and, and all of that, but it doesn't say, by the way, at the bottom, it doesn't say every gallon of gasoline you burn will leave behind 20 pounds of carbon dioxide and increase our heat of the planet that's the problem if they did you'd throw up your hands and say well i don't want to buy that car give me an electric or let's build a train so i can ride the train or what coronavirus has told us is that we can really cut back on the carbon dioxide going up into the atmosphere when we stay home it's not an answer for everybody, but many people have learned that that's a good way to avoid burning a gallon of gasoline. That's, that's, that's great to, uh, to hear about uh, climate change and us making a difference in the world to, to change it. But how, how, do, how, do we, um, how do we start like with like lesser uh, use of gas and what can we switch to like a, way, a better way to um, like, how, how does the world make that choice? Because, like, a lot of us don't want to. <laughs> That's a big question, isn't it? Well, first, how do we start? Just right now, we take fewer trips. We combine our trips. 
uh, before we go somewhere, we look at like my massage therapist is seven miles away. So uh, at about a pound a mile, that's how the 20 uh, pounds breaks down, about a pound a mile, uh, seven pounds over, seven pounds back. Well, she's a real good masseuse and I'm going to keep going to her, but I cut out some other trips and I combine some trips so that when I'm over in her direction, I get my errands done all at once and I don't have to go back to do it. You know, these are the easy early things. You take the uh, junk out of your trunk, your back seat, you check your tires, you combine your trips, you eliminate your trips, and you use other people's gasoline like the bus or uh, Lyft or one of those and begin to really think. And then if you work somewhere with other people, you uh, ask each of them to tote up the miles it takes for them to drive to work and back. Maybe one is only six miles over and six miles back, so that's 12 miles. Maybe somebody else is 25. And you add those all up, and you look at those at a pound a mile. And you think, wow, we didn't realize we were doing that. How do we do less of that and still keep the business thriving? And these are the choices in the conference conversations we have to have. Some people work at home, some people will carpool, and we begin to move in the direction of the goal of leaving behind gasoline, stopping burning by 2025 to 2030. We have to. We're just, we're just a little bit, a Celsius degree away from getting to the point where the North and South Pole will melt, and once they they are melting now, but if we get this one degree Celsius more, there's no refrigerator to plug in to freeze them up. We have to have those poles. That's the ultimate thing that we're sacrificing. And once we lose the North and South Pole, then life is very different on this planet. Not only is have the seas gone up on all the coasts are underwater, but the inland lands are either crowded with people or violent weather or desertification. Well, we don't want to go there. We don't have to go there. It's not our destiny. And it's not a fairy tale. It's science. Just it's math. It's simple math, pound a mile or 20 pounds per gallon, or and the path is to stop doing it as soon as possible. So like you said by 2025, like the world yeah. like, like switch to like electric or um solar like we I, need to yeah i think everything should be uh like solar and electric like most of the stuff we use like for gas and stuff like limos and cars and dirt bikes and all that yeah so how many uh, uh electric cars do you think there are in the united states it's it's way fewer than like how much motor vehicles we have like everybody has a, a car, like teenagers. Yeah, but how many electric vehicles do you think? Good. And uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon.com says they're going to add 100,000 electric vehicles. Don't know what they look like. Uh, in the next few years. That's good. We'd be at 600. But guess how many cars we have that burn gasoline? I won't make you guess. Where what? How many cars do we have that burn gasoline? Over billions around the world. Yeah, but in the United States, we have 253 million 
cars that burn gasoline. Over half of the population. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are very dense with cars in this country because this is where the cars and the oil came together to create that magical union. And uh, we have had the money from those to highways and buy cars and they have designed our lives and gasoline is the great sculptress of our ways and means everything that we do we design around cars and gasolines so we become dependent on them you notice the uh, people who sit in line to get their their test done for the virus they're all sitting in their cars or previous to that there were those people sitting in the fields getting food you remember when they were lined up to get food in their cars it's a few months back they had to have bought the car, bought the insurance, bought the fuel. They didn't have the money to buy food. That's how important cars are to us. And they had the money to buy. Uh, I, I didn't hear that cut out. You, they didn't have any money to buy the food. Okay. They bought the car, the insurance, the license. But they didn't have the money to buy the food. That's backward. So some of the, some of the things you've seen in your field, like um, like working in the field, like some of the things you uh, seen and uh, the experience that you got. Yeah. Some of the things you uh you've seen in in your field and the experiences that. Well, you I'm an environmental educator, and I created an environmental leadership program, which was a two and a half day weekend retreat where everybody got to become a species and some extinct species. And we went through various exercises there, including uh, the species dying out over time and uh, looking at people who have a lot of money, have a lot of fuel and energy available. And those with little money have difficulty with transportation. Uh, and I've also traveled all over the world but uh, I, if you're looking for, did I go into a coal mine? No. Have I uh, been out into the oil fields? No. <laughs> <laughs> so what does, I've traveled all over the world. Yeah. What does that, uh, that mean for like the average driver to drop in pollution? What do you mean? Like to drop in uh, pollution, like with like the gas and stuff, like, what does it mean for them? Like, how would that change their lives? It sure would. It would be conscious choice to realize that, one, let's take a look at actually how we feel about the whole idea of global warming. Uh, the, we're angry. We're worried. We're upset. We're vaguely uh, frightened by the whole thing, but we don't know what to do. And so I give you this very simple, I don't say it's easy, but it's a simple math and a simple path and you get a hold of that and you think okay fine i can go to my church and i can say look this is how, and ask everybody to fill out how much mileage they use to get to church and say is there another way we can meet can we meet one sunday on zoom and the next sunday together for instance yeah. uh, and do that exercise i told you about the workplace what can we do to reduce this? And you start having the conversation because this is your tool. This is your tool. 
And it's like the cigarette companies, the oil companies will push on as long as they are able to, and we are willing to accept that this is the way the world is. And the world does not have to be run by gasoline, just doesn't. That's a revolutionary statement. Yes, man. Get revolutionary. Yes. So you could tell us more about your book. Like it's a big book. And it is a big book. It took me six years to write it. It's about Kansas City. It starts out in the wood age. And this is the stages of energy transitions. And in the beginning, when you are, you can't see that. In the beginning, when you are discovering on the left the fuel then you uh, are looking at a coal mine or oil well and trying to figure out if there's enough there to put your money into it, right? And then you decide, yes, that's good. And then you begin to transport the fuel. And then that's the second stage. And then at the top here is in the marketplace, how does it do? Does it satisfy our needs? Are people willing to use it? What does it take in the way of new inventions to use it? And this is what each fuel has gone through. And then over here, the fuel begins to die back as a coal is now. And then uh, people lose their jobs, other fuels take their place. The economic picture changes. So that's what's happened to every fuel so far. And then I have a big chapter about uh, the Indians. The Indians were here first. And uh, so they lived in what is called a, uh, can you see that? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so they lived close to the ground. They had energy and not much fuel. And so they were sustainable because every year they were able to use the same resources over again. But when the white people came in, they built cabins and they cut down 80 trees to build a log cabin and that was not sustainable and so the uh, europeans have been doing this here's a picture of the can you see the log cabin yeah I see. Yeah, and if they're going to farm which is what they're going to do they have to clear the fields and so that was a direct opposite example of the way the indians lived who did not cut down the trees because they needed them they needed them for cover. And, and of course, they used fire as a tool because they would burn the prairies and some of the trees in order to uh, change the game patterns and all that kind of thing. But uh, and here they are doing their buffalo thing. Okay. You see that? They're chasing yeah. buffalo. Okay. And that was their huge source of energy. Those buffalo are huge animals. They're as big as a Volkswagen back in the day of the Volkswagen Beetle because I have driven out into a field of buffalo in a Volkswagen Beetle and they are bigger than the car. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, what have I done? And uh, so that was the way the Indians lived until the white man came in. And then the white man brought slaves and slaves became the machinery of the 19th century, 18th and 19th century. Here's a picture of a, a black woman taking care of a white baby boy. 1856. Somewhere in there, right. Is that what it says? Yes. Right, good eye. Right, so you can see she she's kind of frightened. She has that look of, I can't do anything wrong. 
and uh, so the cotton that brought the slaves in brought in four million slaves before the Civil War made the southerners very rich and uh, that's why they fought they didn't want to lose that wealth because there was no way to farm that amount of cotton unless you had hands because each slave was a little machine did as directed as much as possible yeah. and uh so ultimately they lost the civil war was fought over fuel and not over slavery ultimately because this, the fuel was economic because the north was getting into coal and machines and the south was still fields of cotton with human hands doing the job and they could not compete with the coal and the engines of the north so it was really about fuel and energy changes. Okay. Then we get to the Pony Express. This was the last of the wood age. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. And the Pony Express lasted less than two years, but is a wonderful example of the wood age going to the greatest extremes possible because they ran those horses and uh, managed to cover the length of the, the, the uh, Midwest to the coast in a few days in a way that was not possible any other way until the railroad came in. So that was the last gasp of the wood age was the Pony Express happened right up here, 50 miles from here. So how has the coronavirus has shown us the way? The coronavirus is such a great gift because we all had to stay home. We all battened down and stayed home and we discovered that the sky cleared. Right away the sky cleared. And the, and the ocean cleared, you could see the fish. And you could tell that uh, we had been polluting to an enormous degree. And then the animals began to come out. Very quickly the animals came out. They'd been hiding because they get run over. We kill about six million animals a year on our highways, and uh, not to mention the people that we kill, 35,000 or so. Uh, we've been willing to make those sacrifices in order to have a car. So the coronavirus showed us by staying home, this is our next step into the 21st century. In fact, we're not into the 21st century until we stop burning cars burning gasoline and using cars. If you look at the car, it's a 1990 invention. There's nothing new about it. And if you look at the commercials, and I encourage your audience to do this, the car commercials don't mention gasoline at all. They have some little distracting feature that they promote. So you think, oh, isn't that nice? Well, I want one of those. And it has nothing to do with mileage. You know, they just don't mention it because they've loosened the fuel standards in the Trump administration. They've loosened them up. So almost a billion more pounds of CO2 are going into the atmosphere because of that. So they want to advertise in a way that doesn't remind us of the amount of carbon dioxide we're putting into the atmosphere. Plus the, the uh, financing, it's all about leasing. They don't talk about buying anymore. It's all about leasing, so it's easy to get into a new car. That's what uh, President Trump wanted. 
wanted to loosen the standards, lower the price, uh, make the financing easier to raise the economy. That was his whole idea. The fact that it pollutes a billion pounds more, et cetera, et cetera, was not on the table. Yeah, I, yeah we need solar and electric. We do, we need solar, we need electric. And uh, if we if we uh, if we stay at home more and like just like like not travel that much. Um, well, we're traveling through our uh, television, our computer. Look at you and me, huh? <laughs> yeah, we are traveling differently. You know, we look at Star Trek and Star Wars, and we can vicariously enjoy their adventures in outer space. We have to. We have to make some changes. It's up to us to save the planet. It's not up to us to save the car companies. You teach uh, seminars too? Yes. What do you speak on and uh, teach? Well, I started out as a high school teacher of English and Spanish back in the day. And then I went to work for the Environmental Protection Agency as a reporter and uh, using my English background. And then I realized uh, that this was a wonderful agency. And uh, it was just 10 years old when I joined it. By the way, it's going to be 50 years old in December this year, 50th anniversary. And I have a new book coming out about the founding of the Environmental Protection Agency. <clears throat> and uh, story has not been told. So uh, then I decided to write a book called The Call of the Rainbow Warrior. And that was a fable about uh, a lumber company that was cutting down rainforest wood and uh, the particular animal family that I followed through that and uh, was performed twice as a play here in Kansas City. And then I wrote a book called The Corporate Environmental Leader, which is about how companies can reduce their use of carbon dioxide. And uh, then eventually this, yeah. big wonderful book. Fueling change. I'll make sure you get a copy. Do we have your address? I'll, I'll, get, a, I'll get a copy. Uh, is okay. it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon, okay. yeah. So anything positive you would like to like say about like uh, to the listeners and like about like what they can do to make a better world? Well, uh, as far as this is concerned, as I said, this uh, going into a greenhouse world, as they call it, is not our destiny. It is a choice. And we choose it when we do nothing. And I realize that we are preoccupied with very important issues but stop burning gasoline find a way to burn less gasoline i have a new book out called the gasoline diet it's also available it's going to be there next week and it's a workbook in which you write down your gasoline use and figure out how to burn less of it get your church organized get, if you know any people who are really worried about this this is how they make the biggest impact there's nothing else that we do that that pollutes like a gallon of gasoline. There's nothing else. And once you realize, you think, well, I don't want to do that. May have to for a while, but I'm going to make it my goal in the next two years to
to figure out how to reduce my gasoline by half or how to organize my church or how to organize my work so that we reduce our gasoline. This is what we have to do. And once we all start doing that, then the conversation moves, the doors open up to new technologies. And first thing you know, we've said, hey, bye-bye gasoline. Yes, ma'am. Well, yeah, keep spreading the uh, message because I, I think this is important. Like, it is important, like, to like to have the world in a better place, a better shape, and clean, clean uh, oxygen and stuff. And we only get this one moment. We can't go thirty years saying, "Oh gosh, I should have cut back," and you know, it's too late. This is really one degree away from the poles melting. And the news doesn't make enough of this because people don't want to hear it, but we have to hear it. Wouldn't you rather hear it and make a change than finding out it's too late and you look at your kids and say, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, because some cities might flood and stuff, like they might go underwater. Yeah, you know, uh, New Orleans is number one on the list of cities going to be most affected. And I'm, I'm in Louisiana. Is it? Yeah, I'm in Louisiana. I'm I'm not I'm maybe an hour or two away from New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd hate to think the ocean would come that far up. <laughs> but it certainly will inundate New Orleans and Miami and New York and San Francisco. Is this what we want to have happen while we drive around in our cars? Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I I thank you for um for being on air and and sharing sharing the uh, knowledge and the awareness about the topic about uh, climate change and next time you hold your car keys in your hand you look at them and say i'm going to drive less yes ma'am i don't even drive my parents Good. drive. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you uh, is it paul yes ma'am paul i haven't drove in like five years great good for you Yes, ma'am. Well, I thank you. Thank you. Um, you you have any links you wanna uh, you wanna uh, share? Like yeah, the- fuelingchange.org. Fueling Change is the title of the book. Fuelingchange.org is my blog, and there are about fifty blogs on there that will tell you how I feel and what to do about all of these. Uh, only gasoline. I don't talk about anything else. Well, that's not entirely true, but most of the time. <laughs> Because nobody else talks about gasoline. So I'm the person who talks about gasoline, how to cut back, what it does, and uh, how we can change. Thank you, Dr. Twyla. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Hi, everyone. I wanted to um, thank Dr. Twyla for... Um, talking about this topic and about climate change and saving the world. So let's reduce um, our usage of gasoline every year and make the planet the planet better. Um, she had research about uh, how many electric cars are in the United States, and there are one million and a and a half uh, of electric slash hybrid cars. So that's good. Um, yes, we need to re- reduce gasoline usage. Um, and let's save the planet. Climate change and saving the world. Yeah.
Thank you. We could save the world. <laughs>